55 episodes of Devil Times 5 56 episodes of Devil Times 5 57 episodes of Devil Times 5 I love to count Thanks for listening to another batty instalment of the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast. And this month, we've been watching a Transylvanicopia of Dracula movies. I'm Cliff, and here are my children of the night. Luke, Emily, and Bryony, let's find out what sweet music they make. Hello. It's <laughs> <laughs> all that sweet music. Fucking moaning. <laughs> right, and of course, we're joined by a guest devil. And this month is comedian plus actor Sally Ann Fellows. Hello. Hello, Sally Ann. Thanks for joining Hello. us. Hello. Um, it's not you. always obvious from watching the stand up that someone's a horror fan. Do you ever do material about the genre? No, do you know what? I, know, I never have, but I probably should because I'm a massive horror fan. And um, I chose vampires because I thought that would be a really scary genre. But actually, I don't think it's the scariest one that you can get, but I have enjoyed watching the films. Yeah, I mean, Draculas aren't that scary, are they? But, no. Yeah, anyway, we'll come on to that. Because, uh, as you know, first of all, we've kicked things off with our highs and lows from recent horror movie watching. Uh, Luke, why don't you start? Um, my high is um, a film that closed Fright Fest in August, um, a film called a Taiwanese film called The Sadness, which is um, about a virus. It's during a pandemic, so it's definitely poking at covid but the virus that happens in this is that people start out by having a cold at first and then turn into violent people and then it's just full-on mayhem in the film um one of the goriest and like most disturbing films i've seen in a very long time and just a lot of fun as well it's quite like horrible the things that happen in it but it's uh very creative and very fast-paced and never a boring mm. moment to it. I'm always a bit suspicious when people say, oh, it's one of the goriest things I've seen because... Like, oh, this this definitely is, yeah. <sighs> how can it be? Everything, The most gory stuff's already been made, surely. How can there be something even gorier? It's, it's very exciting. And then my low is Cradle of Fear. Hey, I like Cradle <laughs> of Fear. <laughs> with Danny Filth, the weirdest anthology film. Just it, when it started with a woman having a one-night stand, but the one-night stand she goes home with actually turns out to just be a, a monster. I was like, okay, this has started out quite weird. And then the practical effects are really fun. Yeah. But there's no, it felt like it was meant to be a comedy, but it yeah. never is. It just does this scene where it just keeps zooming in on these people's faces and just awkward staring. And it was just hilariously bad. But um, It is, yeah. It is bad. It's two, it's, hour, two hours long as well. It's two hours long. It's mm. quite bad. It's badly acted. It's it's enthusiastic. But um, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> all, it's almost so bad it's good. But at the same time, it drags along for two hours as well. So that's that's the bad thing about it. Sure, yeah. It's on my, my ones to watch list. I've been really looking forward to getting around to it. Cool. Because um, everyone's yeah. always praised it. But now Luke about fifty p from CX. So yeah, you know. it's, it's one of those. It's one of those really old British films where you can still see like Woolworths in in scenes and that. So. Yeah, and Pizza Hut still existing in Leicester Square, um, like a big one. So there's that fun of it. Mm-hmm. Two of my friends are in it. There you go. I look yeah. forward to being disappointed. <laughs> Not because your friends are in it. Two of my friends are in it, but I've only noticed one of them in it. I don't know where the other one comes into it. I haven't spotted. Is your them. friend Danny Filth? It's his his bandmate at the time. Ah. Yeah. Celebrity, kind of. Briony. Um my hi I've got a few highs actually. I've not I've not seen a bad film. I've not seen many films to be fair this month. 
Um, I watched the original Candyman in preparation to watch the remake of Candyman. And then I couldn't be asked to see the remake of Candyman because I thought the original was really good. Okay. And um, I thought, well, that's that's fine. There's nothing to improve on there. It was, it was great. It's a sequel, not a remake, isn't it? Really? Oh. Oh, and it's not even a reimagining. Okay, in that case, they haven't pussied out, so I'll, I'll watch it. So maybe that'll be my high next one. But yeah, I really, uh, really enjoyed it. Um, some very good visuals. I really enjoyed like her crawling out of the, the sort of the back end of the house of the the mouth and just looked it looked awesome um so yeah that's a high uh obviously rewatched the shining quite recently mm. uh, another high just no no other words needed and then i was just thinking because we did dystopia recently there's a new series cause you know i like my telly um, new series on Disney. Um, it's not a Disney <laughs> show. It's it's like made by Stars or something, but it's available in the UK on Disney Plus, and I I give the mouse my money. Um, but it's called Why the Last Man, um, based on one of my favourite comic books, and I really recommend it if you like dystopia. All the men are dead, um, and and dystopia ensues. I really, if you like dystopia, um, and you like comic books, I would recommend that if you want to give. Um, Mickey Mouse some money do it for that I do not Sally Ann okay. <laughs> yes um, now my low is a um, disappointing film called Under the Shadow and it's mm. set in Tehran in the 80s during the Iran-Iraq conflict and um, this woman's husband goes off and um, to fight at the front as a doctor and she isn't allowed to practice because she was an activist um, during the uprising and basically to cope on her own with this weird kid she does loads of aerobics like literally constantly Jane Fonda aerobics yeah. and he drove me mad and um, ultimately this big missile hits the roof and with it is a home invasion gin and um, the reveal is the ghost not the booze yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly disappointingly she gets attacked by a giant duvet and under the bed, there's a thing that looks like giant Haribo teeth. And it just made me want to eat Haribo. And it's got really bad dubbing. I appreciate it's a foreign language film. What? You watched it dubbed? Re- yeah, it's dubbed. And well, I, no, I, no, it shouldn't. Yeah. No. I no, it was, released in, it, was, it was released in Farsi or something with subtitles. You, did you watch it on Netflix or something? Have they got I a dub version? I watched it on Netflix, yeah. Say, we were talking oh, about this last okay. week, last month. Bad. Did you have the thing where Netflix just plays it in the um, dub instead of giving you the subtitles straight away? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I didn't realise I, I could that. get it with the subtitles. It probably would have been a lot better, but it was very slow. And I I just didn't like the reveal with the duvet. It just irritated me. <laughs> um, I just thought, you know, when you should have some sympathy with the victim, I'll just let die, eater. And um, my high was hereditary. Uh-huh. And um, really good film, I thought. But a bit confused because I thought, because the woman in it, Tony Collette, she starts off as making loads of dollhouses and stuff. I thought, oh, this is going to be like a miniaturist vibe. It's all going to go wrong. But no. Um, the grand dies, and then everything goes wrong in the house. Um, the young girl um, gets killed in a car accident. Very dramatic. Head chopping. Very good bit. And um, and then the mum goes completely mad and saws her own head off um, with a two-handed saw. Amazing. But then at the end, <laughs> at the end, right, <laughs> this, um, the boy 
gets crowned eighth demon king of the underworld and he gets given this hat as the as the crown that looks like it was made in hobbycraft and it's like oh here's a primary school hat you are head of the demon world and it's like yeah shit why don't you have a head and there's all these worshippers that don't have heads but it doesn't make any sense but apart from that bit very good film when you got your little notebook out, I thought, oh, Sally Ann's going to read us a story. And oh, um, you? you've just given us the entire story of Hereditary, <laughs> <laughs> which I love Hereditary, but I also enjoy that Precy synopsis. Yeah, I it think I love Hereditary, but I think I enjoyed your, your breakdown of it a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> um, Emily? Um, I've got two highs again, and they kind of work as a sort of a double bill, actually, um, even though they were made at very different times. Um, first up, Censor, which we talked about last month. Yeah. I thought I'd love it, and I absolutely did. I thought it was great. Uh, I love the colours. I love the fact that it got the 80s grimness dead on. I love the fact that it got how bad 80s workwear was for women dead on. Uh, <laughs> Michael Smiley's pleasantly sleazy, and the ending is suitably like, mm, what the fuck was that? And my other high is um, from 97. It's Evil Ed. Okay. It's a comedy horror and it starts with a scene where a man blows his own head off at work and his boss comes in and says, you're fired. (laughs) (laughs) So I was kind of with it at that point. And also at one point there is a goblin in the the fridge and it calls the man in the house a Nazi and tells him to shut the door. It's um, it's very strange. It's a little bit like if um, young Peter Jackson built a time machine and then went forward in time and made um, Barbarian Sound Studio. <laughs> so it's got all the kind of like the slapsticky gore. But it's it, it kind of the, the link with Censor is that this guy is editing films that he finds violent or un- yeah. unpalatable, whereas in Censor she's censoring them. I wish I liked Evil Ed more because it's it sounds like it should be amazing. Like everything, everything you've just said, it mm. does sound like it should be amazing. But I just found it a bit too, I don't know, a bit flat. I, I bought it when it came out on Blu-ray, and it lasted about a weekend in my house. And I took it back to the shop because I was like, I'm never going to watch that again, which is a shame <laughs> because it's it's on paper, it's got a lot. I don't know if I'd want to watch it again, but it is. It was. It, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I was just like, "Oh, this is something I'll watch on a Sunday when I'm half asleep." And mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, my high is uh, James Wan's new one, *Malignant*. Anyone else seen that? Yeah, Luke, you've yeah. seen it, haven't you? Yeah, I'd, I think I need to watch it again because I'm still just at that point now where I know it's meant to be Jello, but it just. No, it's not well, it with the glove with the gloves and the no. weapon. It's just a really good. Well, I, I mean, I suppose like it's a really good um, mystery horror thriller sl- slasher thing. But then, like, so I was really enjoying it anyway. And then, like, half an hour from the end, it just goes completely mad, and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, that finale is brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Because um, like Dead Silence, the James Wan film, on paper it should be brilliant, but it's so boring. And then like the amazing twist which is fucking amazing, comes right at the end and there's no time left to do anything with it. In Malignant, he's put the twist about half an hour from the end, so it's plenty of time to enjoy it. I wasn't actually expecting that. Like, that's the first time in a horror I've sort of nicely been surprised Yeah, by something. It's really good. <laughs> and my low is Bloodthirsty, a Canadian film. Uh, it's a werewolf film. Oh, fucking hell. The lead character is called Grey Kessler. Kessler, uh. as in, you know, David Kessler from American Werewolf. There's a town nearby called East Proctor. It just, what's the point in making a really shit werewolf film and keep reminding the audience about the best werewolf film? Um, <laughs> she, she's a pop star, but she's one of those really boring pop stars you get these days. She's do really, you know, 
dreary fucking music like Adele or Billie Eilish or Ed Sheeran or whatever. Um, and it's incredibly flat and tedious and uh, it's very bad. I think it just proves my theory that no Canadian filmmaker should ever try their hand at horror unless the name is Cronenberg. Because Jason something- Eisner's been all right. Who? Jason Eisner. What's he made? Um, Hobo with a shotgun did, did the uh, did the Alien short in VHS two, and he started doing some quite interesting little shorts recently that have been like thirty seconds long. There's one that he made called The Last Dive that's pretty good. Okay, uh, okay, so uh, that's our highs and lows done. Uh, now it's time for this month's bloodsuckingly good theme. And we'll start with one of the biggest Dracula movies. It's the 1992 one directed by Francis Ford Coppola, commonly known as Bram Stoker's Dracula. Here occurred the frightening and shocking history of Prince Dracula and the woman he loved. I have crossed oceans of time to find you. There's a sinister, darker side to him. I find irresistible. I have never met any man with such a passion for life. He is unlike any man. He is both young and old. He can appear as mist, as vapor, as the fog. The power of his evil desire has no end. Make no mistake, he must be stopped. Estate agent Jonathan Harker travels to a remote castle where he meets the sinister Count Dracula, soon resulting in the transformation of Lucy, his wife's best friend, into a vampire. Um, I do like the phrase wife's best friend. It's a funny phrase. That's what I wrote it. Is it? <laughs> yeah. So you just burst out laughing whenever it says, oh, this is my wife's best friend. <laughs> it's funny. Why is it funny? That's really interesting. Um because there's that Monty Python song. Uh, isn't it awfully nice to have a penis? Isn't it awfully nice to have a dong? Your oh, piece yeah. of me, your wife's best friend, your Percy or your cock, all that. <laughs> <laughs> a little insight into the world of things. <laughs> is that the one with the last line is don't whip it out in public or they'll stick you, you in the dock and you won't come, come back? back. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> now, sally you chose this as one of our features. Yes. Is it your favourite version of the story that we've watched over and over and over again this month? Well, I I do like it for all the wrong reasons, because I do think it's a film about a massive forehead, and I don't understand <laughs> why Gary Oldman, it, he's able to walk amongst the streets in the daylight, isn't he? And annoy people. Sunglasses, which don't actually cover his <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not going, oh, the sunlight. He's just walking around with a top hat going, oh, all right, love. So, you know, want to come home with me? And um, I, that, I don't understand that. And I, I like, I like the, um, the atmosphere of the film and I like some of the, some of the shots. But I just think Gary Oldman is, is all about displaying his ego as Gary Oldman. Like, like when I saw him in a pub one time and he was trying to chat up loads of girls going, don't you know who I am? And I really wanted one of them to go, why have you forgotten? But they were like, <laughs> no, who are you? <laughs> I was like, that's Gary Oldman. So, yeah. It's an interesting portrayal of Dracula. Uh, I, I 
fucking didn't even occur to me that he was walking around in the daylight and that was fine. I think yeah, there's, just... a, there's a there's a brilliant Eddie Izzard routine where he's talking about that. That's where he's like Dracula, Dracula, or just duh. He's <laughs> just signed his letters up with duh. He is at one point, isn't he? So how he signs his letter? Yeah, duh. <laughs> uh, come to my house. The voiceover is literally yours sincerely. D. <laughs> I slip you the D, you come to my house. And, um, but yeah, there's one point in the voiceover, like prior to you seeing him in the, in the streets, go, did you know that uh, Dracula can, can walk around in the street? And you're just like, all oh, right, then fair enough. I'll suspend yeah. it. I'll suspend my yeah. disbelief. All right, then. Yeah. I can't remember if in the book the, they can walk around in daylight. Mm. They just don't like it very much, which is why he's wearing the most 90s pair of shades ever. Oh, he looks fucking cool. He does look fucking cool, yeah. But And he starts going, see me. It's like, can't miss you, babe, with that hat. On, yeah? <laughs> going back to those voiceovers, um, I did find it a bit patronising that when uh, when Jonathan's writing his diary, a caption comes up on screen saying, Jonathan Harker's diary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What else is he doing? Well, it could have exactly. been Jonathan Harkman's songbook. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't think it was an announcement over the train tan oil or something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Harker's impromptu poetry performance. <laughs> Slam poetry. <laughs> Brackets bless him, he's trying. Um, yeah. just sort of, so yeah. I've, I've just got a, like a John Cooper Clark stuff to be like, creatures of night, they are shite <laughs> and they bite. <laughs> oh no, I'm Jonathan Harkman. Clark. Anyway. Actually, you could do that. You could go, I'm Jonathan Harker and later my hair goes white. Yeah, <laughs> and I get a really big forehead. Except he doesn't. It's That's that's not him, is it? You're thinking, you're no, that's, about, that's you're, Gary Oldman. You're talking about Keanu Reeves, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Keanu yeah. doesn't have... Keanu, mind you, yeah. you, you couldn't... He had like a floppy fringe, so well, we know that Keanu doesn't have a big forehead, so... Keanu Reeves is terrible in it, isn't he? It's just like... It's just oh, he's trying his it's best. It's what everyone says, but he's, I'm not sure. Yeah. He's trying. I mean, he's just the British. Yeah. It's just the accent. Well, I mean, yeah. they should have it's just let him do his own it? accent, really, rather than... Yeah. And the other problem is as well that Jonathan... We'll, we'll see this in the other movies too, I think, is that Jonathan Harker is quite a crap character. Yeah. He's quite weak. He's just a little bit like, oh, what? Oh, what's going on here? Oh, sexy vampire ladies. Oh, now, I've, now I'm ill and old. For they they sort time. of just get rid of him for about 25 minutes of this film. Yeah. And then he just then he just climbs out of the door on the roof again. Well, that's yeah. the problem with a lot of the films that stick kind of close to the uh, the novel, from what I can gather of the original story, which I've never read. It's a bit boring and yeah. not very well paced or thought out. And so, yeah, if they're sticking slavishly to it, they're not always the best films. I do think this is the best film mm. uh, adaptation. It, it's great because it looks so amazing. All the um, the visual effects are so well done. You know, it's colourful. It's all filmed mad. on a sound studio, wasn't it? Studio yeah, film. yeah. I love it. The fact that it's got that sort of um, fairy tale sense of kind of unreality to it. I was a bit wary about rewatching this because I loved this film when I was about fifteen. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, it's it's not without its flaws, but it's still yeah, it's a great kind of like sumptuous, ridiculous. Mm. It's like eating a whole massive cake in one go. Mm. So it feels a bit wrong, but it's still still awesome. Coppola isn't like, what he's done and what his screenwriter have done, they've looked at the book 
and they've gone right which bits can we just go absolutely mad on and like make mm-hmm. them as wild as possible mm-hmm. so like you know the stuff in the asylum it's like oh well let's dress the uh, asylum nurses up with great big cube cages on their heads yeah what was that about i did i didn't quite get that did they bite or something is that they're to stop yeah to stop them being attacked by the patients oh, but it's just a really cool bit of um ridiculous costume design it's great any bit of costume design or set design that they can fit in and absolutely ramp up to 11 they do which yeah. is mm, yeah. which works really really nicely and and i just don't see that in the rest of francis ford coppola's work i just don't understand the, the Godfather would be brilliant if it was like this. <laughs> yeah. Instead oh, of the tedious only. fucking dirge that it is. It's really weird that you said that because he tried to do more horror after this and mm. he's never been able to get to the same level that this film is. It just seems like... He, well, so he's, he's done gone, Twixt. Yeah, he did Twixt and he, oh, he's done one other one but it's just he doesn't seem to know what he's really doing. I've not seen Twixt. Is it about like two rival chocolate bars? I wish it was that. That would have been better. <laughs> is it a tragic romance between two halves of a chocolate bar that are separated? <laughs> Someone needs to make this. <laughs> and then they get joined like human centipede. Yeah. Oh, wow. But only edible. Oh, more like in society. I can imagine. The sun comes out and they melt together. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, chocolate shunt. Nice. Chocolate shunt in. Oh. <laughs> Cadbury's new shunt bar. <laughs> that is the worst name for a chocolate bar. Cadbury's shunt. <laughs> Especially if it had like pink goo inside it. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Um, Brian's reaction is to go, oh, God, everyone else goes, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there, there's, there's lots to enjoy in it. I really like Anthony Hopkins in this film as well because he seems to be oh. having the best time. Best time, yeah. And they, there's the bit where I've discovered what's going on and then there's the whole stuff about Lucy being undead and he goes, she is the devil's concubine. Ha, ha, ha. He's like, like just eating his dinner and he's like, yeah, and then we drive us dead us out and cut off your head. Yeah. yeah. And Tom he's Waits great, is really good as Renfield. Oh, he's so good. He's amazing. Renfield's a good character in these in general, mm. but I think especially in this one. Tom Waits has inspired casting for that. Yeah. Mm. Richard E. Grant, Carrie Elwes. Carrie uh, Elwes, yes. Elwes, 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 he's great. Um, the acting man. I mean, I'm full of acting facts for this one, tell you mm. what. Um, Go on then. Let's have an acting fact. Uh, Gary Oldman was also in Paul many other films. Keanu Reeves was in uh, The Matrix. Speed. Yeah, and yeah. Ga- Gary Oldman plays a very old man in this. Oh, you're going to have to up your game. You're going to have to up your game <laughs> with these acting facts. <laughs> you're not digging deep. No, I didn't dig too deep. I didn't go onto Wikipedia and go, oh, that lady who peed herself might have been an EastEnders. But no one <laughs> And it wasn't. Uh, and it wasn't. It wasn't. So when you do dig deep, you get it wrong anyway. That's the story of my life, though, isn't it? That's why I'm a very shallow human now. I really like when it turn- he turns into the giant bat rat monster. Yeah, that's so cool, isn't it? And when, when cool. I think I actually found it generally creepy, that scene where you see the red eyes... And they go back mm. into the distance and they shine the light and it's just a bunch of rats. That's so good, that scene. Yeah, yeah. so good. I wonder how they did it. Because I don't think there's any CGI in this. I think it's, um, I, th- I can only imagine they built some sort of construction to put a bunch of rats on then pulled the construction away so they all just fell on top of each other. Oh, think how confused they would have been, poor rats. I know. They were like, oh, I haven't even got an equity card. 
<laughs> I liked the upside down rats. I think that was the quaintest special effect in the film. It always makes me go, oh, whenever I see it. It's like when they're walking through the castle and it's like, mm. rats are walking upside down. Yeah. That's a cute. Yeah, and it's, it's, awesome. it's just, it's very awesome, but it's very sweet because it's like, I could do that. I don't want to, but well done, Francis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what, I've, I've watched it three times, and the first time is when it came out on VHS back in the mid-90s, and I didn't like it at all, and I'm sure that was just because I was watching it, you know, in a cropped image, on a small screen, in not the best quality, because when you watch it in, you know, 4K, on the big screen, it's lovely. Mm. It's a lush film, it's beautiful. Anthony Hopkins, when he does a bit of sniffing, I thought, mm. sniffing a woman, Silence of the Lambs, he gets it from that, doesn't he? Yeah, he does sniff a, does he a, does sniff a woman. He does. He does. Of yeah. women uh, sniffing. He's a bloody woman sniffer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was watching one of the um, behind-the-scenes extras on the Blu-ray. Yeah, he, he kind of um, added that to the script himself, that bit. It was like, uh, I, I feel I should Did sniff he? I should sniff Mina. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, you know, Van Helsing's been looking for Dracula this whole time. He needs to find out if, uh, if this woman smells of Dracula. <laughs> and uh, in the in the rehearsal, he kisses her as well. And that I noticed yeah. that the kiss was left out of the film. He didn't. Uh, that didn't make the production. Is he like a bloodhound? Does he got a bit of like Dracula's cape and sniffed it, and then he's I like think, looking for things I that think smell? The like... word you're looking for is sex pest. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the fact that Hopkins has kind of made Van Helsing a lot more interesting than he is in quite a lot of the other ones. Mm. I mean, yeah, yeah, he he is he is a bit weird and creepy, but. He at least kind of has a sense of humour and you get the feeling that this guy, he's on this quest to defeat Dracula, but he's kind of enjoying himself because he's like, I've, disco- I've discovered everything that I thought thought is true and now I'm on the final stages of this epic voyage, whereas, unfortunately, that doesn't really come across in the other in the other movies or indeed in the book, from what I can remember. He's doing a Dutch accent, presumably. I think that's what he's aiming for. I think that might be what he's trying. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck the accent is, but he's. I don't think any of the accents were aiming for anything in this film. (laughs) (laughs) They were just like, just go fucking nuts, be be from wherever, mate. (laughs) Try and be exotic. (laughs) (laughs) Hello there, I'm Dracula. How's it going? Yeah, lovely. You know, I can walk around in the tea light. Can I give you a sniff on that? So, as I said, uh, we watched lots of versions of Bram Stoker's novel this month, plus a handful of other films that take the main character and do their own thing to a greater or lesser extent. Uh, To narrow our watch list down from the dozens of Dracula movies out there, we've gone for the ones that were made by the best-known directors, Uh, which does unfortunately mean that Philip Marshak's 1978 porno, Dracula Sucks, didn't get a look in. (laughs) Uh, But I'm sure I'll watch that at some point. (laughs) Especially now you can log porn on Letterboxd. Uh, anyway, let's stick with the more sensible adaptations <laughs> for now. <laughs> Why would you need to log the porn that you've watched on Letterboxd? Unless you were like particularly a connoisseur. I, don't well, know. I was, yeah, yeah, I was because... very annoyed when I couldn't... Um, what was the zombie one that we watched? Erotic Nights of the Living Dead. Yeah, I was very annoyed oh, yeah. when I couldn't log that because yeah. it was like, no, you're not allowed to add this and oh, now I can. Okay. Yeah, oh, there's lots of, you know worthwhile porn films that they've added <laughs> well because of some, the sort of definition of what counts as porn and what counts as art I suppose is a little bit kind of vague so and I think you'll agree that erotic nights of the living dead is art well as we've established that the bits with the zombies were very nicely shot it was just the the porno bits that were depressing yes it's um it's worthwhile porn the one that gives you the least sort of guilty feeling of clarity afterwards or maybe more guilty because you then you think yeah. deeper about what's happened how how no. clarity? How 
anyway. Then you give to charity afterwards. Yeah. So it's all right. <laughs> Do you need to douse yourself in holy water afterwards? Yes. Yeah, got some over there. Yeah. Small cry, I haven't. Anyway, let's stick with the more sensible adaptations for now. And no, we'll go way back to 1922 <laughs> with F.W. Murnau's silent movie, Nosferatu. Luke, you're a big fan of uh, continuity errors in films. You must have been like having the best time watching Nosferatu. What do you mean? Because it jumps all over the place. Yeah. Very- <sighs> I still I still love it. But yeah, there is those parts where, you know, it's, but, you know, it's 1922, filming on very old cameras. It's going to be jumping all over the place. They can't. They can't be perfect. There's no still, excuse for that. It's still got lots of good cinematography, and it still is generally for a silent film. Does have its creepy moments. I really like the fact that the actor is called Max Shrek. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? That's mad, isn't it? Surely Shrek the monster is named after Max Shrek the actor. Oh, don't spoil it for me, please. Yeah, I think he. I think he is. <laughs> no, it's I mean, not. So. It's not like Max Shrek was really embarrassed because he shared a name with a green ogre. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think when the green ogre appeared, he'd have been dead for a very, very long time. Unless you believe yeah. the old Hollywood rumor that Max Shrek was in fact really a vampire. Yes. Because they did think he was, didn't they? They did, yeah. I think he looks great as Nosferatu. But I think um, if um, Nosferatu went to sort of um, update his disability benefit in a meeting, it'd be like, well, last week you said you were Count Dracula. Now it's Nosferatu. Which is it? You know what I mean? Well, it's neither. It's Count Orlac. Count Orlac. Count Graf, Orlac. Yeah, Graf Orlac. Sick Graf's Orlac. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is one of the adaptations that spends way too long on the uh, Jonathan Harker character's really uneventful journey out to Transylvania. And then also, like, I don't think there's a single one of these films that does a decent job of depicting the stormy boat ride back. No. Yeah, it's just weird. It's never actually looked like they're at sea in any of these films. It's always... We're just going to throw some buckets at them. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's it. Going to throw some buckets, then we're going to get the fattest rats that we can find in the pet shop, put them on the bit of wood, and everyone will be like, oh no, rats, it's scary. And in the meantime, oh. the rats are just like really well fed and confused and going, eh? you've got a, You've got an affinity with rats for this episode, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> like defending the rats in every film. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I could just write a whole series of reviews that are just from the point of view of the rats. <laughs> I'm liking that. So she's going to form the RDL. Rat Defence League. Yeah. <laughs> See Emily walking up and down the streets of London going, oh, DL, oh, DL. <laughs> well, next time I've got a day off. I Take our sewers back. <laughs> and why does that guy say that um, the Venus flytrap is like a vampire? Uh, when he when he's, well, he didn't say that, it was in the caption. I thought, no, it isn't. I used to have a Venus flytrap and there wasn't any blood or anything. It used to eat the fly. Yeah, it just absorbs it, doesn't it? I reckon the, the person who wrote the captions didn't like the uh, the actor and wanted to mock him, make him look like an idiot. Make him look like an idiot, yeah. Yeah, yeah you yeah, could do yeah. that in those yeah. days. Yeah, you could, <laughs> could make him say anything. They probably did that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, oh, look at his, look at his surname, Shrek. Yeah, <laughs> like the monster. But they'll be making a, an emotion about him in the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the sort of guy that would hang around with a wisecracking donkey. <laughs> yeah, and have a really hot girlfriend, even though he looks like a trifle that's gone off. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really like Nosferatu. I find it quite boring. Um, but I do like all X cool skelly alarm clock oh, oh yeah, yeah that's awesome yeah there's a lot of there's but there's quite a lot of these films have got kind of like my interior design goals in them and mm. yeah that's 
that's definitely yeah, in there. Really nice. Wicked. What we must do, of course, is play uh, Who's the Best Dracula? Who's the Best Dracula? So, round one, Gary Oldman versus Max Shrek. Who is the best, the better Dracula? Gary Oldman. Uh, Ad- Adam Sandler. No, out of those two. Adam Sandler doesn't get a look Yeah, but him. Max Shrek isn't playing Dracula. He's playing yeah, well, somewhere. Well, he is. They've well, yeah. I know, I know they did, and then there was a court case and blah, blah, blah. No, apparently not. Apparently uh, they just changed it just to make the names more German. Oh, okay. Anyway, Gary Oldman or Max Shrek, who'd prefer? Uh, old fan. Max Shrek. I'm with Max Shrek as well. Much as I love Gary Oldman, yeah, Max Max Shrek. Max Shrek wins round one. Um, in a bit, we'll be deciding between Max Shrek and Bella Lugosi because next up is Todd Browning's 1931 version, Dracula 1931. Well, it's not what it's called, but Dracula from 1931. It's all right. It he, is. It's all right. Hmm. Bella does a he does his performance as Dracula is great the whole staring yeah. eyes and that when those big gates open and he's standing there and he speaks it's like oh yeah that's Dracula that's that's fucking Dracula he's, he's great in it he's, uh, but he's he's not in it that much no it's it's one of those ones where it just goes to other characters instead and spends yeah too it's just much full of people talking about people. Dracula rather than actual much Dracula action. You get the feeling that Dracula's off camera just seducing people left, right, and centre. <laughs> well, not really. I mean, have you seen Bella Lugosi's face? Well, yeah, but he's he's got the he's got the sexy mesmerism powers, hasn't he? So you know, it doesn't really Bella Lugosi's face. <laughs> Sorry, got... I'm just I've not seen it, but I'm just going to be sitting here like singing various things about Bella Lugosi. <laughs> it does have the decency to skip over all the the boring travel to the castle and why he's being sent there and and all that kind of stuff yeah they do the setup really really nicely with a bit where harker goes into the inn and he meets the sort of the locals and that actually looked like unlike with a lot of the other movies that somebody who'd worked on the film was either from romania or had been there because they managed to make it look like the carpathians and also there was a sign advertising uh palenka the uh, ah. liqueur is that anything like unicum i have no idea what that is <laughs> Unicum is this Eastern European liqueur that tastes like fermented earwax. Uh, no, Palenka's really the nice. The most revolting thing I've ever put in my mouth. I was going to say, are you sure that was that was a drink? Because Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in a little black bottle with a red cross on it. It sounds like it's a spin-off of the Unilad website, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> one that you could now review and put on Letterboxd. If you I mean, it's got, it's got a very to. dodgy name, Unicum. No one, no one doubts that, but it's real. It's uh, very popular in Hungary. I don't know if just oh, okay. hearing that you said it's a little black bottle with a red cross on it. I'm not Ooh. sure. If that it does sound a bit like a bottle of poison. Safe. Yeah, <laughs> that is horrible stuff. But it but it exists. It's real. The, the the asylum. The nurse in this one. He's great. He's like a Cockney nurse dressed as a milkman. <laughs> <laughs> he's like yeah, a he beautiful is. lady in white. They're all crazy. Yeah, the way he says the word crazy is amazing. The, the accents are the best thing in this, basically. Van Helsing. What the fuck is it? His powers only exist from sunset to sunrise. That's, that's his attempt at a Dutch accent, that accent. <laughs> I wasn't sure what anyone was doing in there. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's an old, creaky old film, isn't it? It's not really the sort of thing we normally watch on this podcast. The BBFC's rating... Um, information for it. It's such a major diss, right? The, what they say about this film. The appearance of Dracula and his brides as they first emerge from their coffins creates a mild sense of horror. Ooh. <laughs> 
Dracula's stalking of Mina, the virtuous young heroine, is also mildly threatening. <laughs> Fucking take that, Todd Browning. Yeah. <laughs> but who is the best Dracula? Who's the best Dracula? Out of Max Shrek and Bella Lugosi. Max Shrek. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to vote for Bella Lugosi on this one. I'm, I'm going to say Bella Lugosi because I've not seen this, but I've seen Edward and I like the actor yeah. Bella Edward, Lugosi yeah. doing Dracula. My main feeling that I had watching this was, God, I want to watch Edward again because it's brilliant. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Lugosi on this one just okay. because he kind of codified what Dracula on film was like. Yeah, that's the majority for Bella Lugosi. He's currently our champion. Uh, to Britain now. And Hammer made not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, but eight Dracula movies. I love to count. <laughs> we've watched a couple of them for this episode. Plus, we've got another one coming up next month. So Dracula from 1958 and its second sequel from 10 years later, Dracula Has Risen from the Grave. Uh, they're directed by Terence Fisher and Freddie Francis, respectively. Uh, I think Hammer's Dracula um, is probably the first version that doesn't stick too closely to the original story. Uh, but then Dracula's Risen from the Grave is basically the original story, just with different characters. Well, the second one I thought was terrible. But it starts off with uh, pink blood on the bell rope. And um, like, oh, look, that's a nasty injury, that is. That's a nasty injury. <laughs> <laughs> it's like somebody's had a mishap with a Victoria sponge. And um, <laughs> the acting is just terrible. And um, just Dracula can't be asked to procure his own victims, can he? He just sends a bird off to get them all, get, get, get me her. And he just stands around, doesn't he? He's just unmotivated. And um, I just think maybe he had an off day or he had a hangover or something. But um, I mean, I know that that one, it was most profitable film, wasn't it? I think so. I don't know why, though. I thought it was dreadful. Um, it's not great, but no. I enjoyed I enjoyed the comedy parts of it more than the horror parts, to be honest. Um, I think like Barbara Ewan, who plays Xena, who's basically Lucy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the wench, the bar wench. She's good. Oh, yeah. she's fab. She's got a lot more kind of agency than Lucy has as well. Yeah. yeah. She's got a lot more going yeah. on, hasn't she? And um, I think both of them is like polite Dracula-ing, isn't it? It's like really polite vampiring. It's like, mm. hello, I'm a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on? I think with, with both of these films, the, the greatest asset by far is Christopher Lee, who I do think is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, the main problem with both of them is that there's not quite enough Christopher Lee in them. There's a lot Again. of it goes down the whole talking about Dracula more than seeing him, especially in um, Dracula has risen from the grave. It's just like no, mm. we need more Christopher Lee. Yeah. But, um, his first appearance as Dracula, though, in the in the the fifty eight one is is amazing. What about his first appearance in the sixty eight one, where his first appearance is as a reflection in some water? <laughs> yeah. When. Why why has he got a reflection? Uh. Well, they shouldn't be able to be on camera, should they? Well, yeah, that's true. They shouldn't I have suppose been mirrors in cameras, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a very good point. He's got um, a great presence, though, hasn't he? I know what you he's mean. He's got such got... amazing presence. He just the, the way that he the way that he walks and his his like deep booming voice, where he's kind of is is on the kind of line between being very human in a kind of a I'm a posh actor kind of way. 
yeah. while also being very kind of like other and a bit spooky and a bit uncanny. And um, I mean, the problem I have with Hammer films, a lot of them, is that everyone's posh in it, including the people who are playing mm. working class characters. It's so obvious. That's funny, though. That just make that just adds levels of camp that were not meant to be there. Or maybe they were. I don't know. Or even the, like the peasants, like the Romanian Transylvanian. Yeah. Peasants quite like, hello, I'm a peasant. Exactly, oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. uh, no, sorry, I'm sorry, I've got the play card on you. Go carry on. And um, in um, Dracula's Risen from the Grave, John D. Collins, who went on to play the Downed Airman Fairfax in LOLO, who literally did go, hello, in every episode, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> as well as being Hammer's regular count, Christopher Lee played the role in 1970 for Jesus Franco's version at night when Dracula wakes, or just Count Dracula, as it's known in English. I watched this as the first one of the month because I thought, Jess Franco doing a Dracula movie. This is going to be sleazy as fuck. I'm here for it. How did Jess Franco manage to make such a clean film? So yeah, it's, I mean, I've not, I'm not too familiar with um, his other stuff apart from Vampire Oh, he's a Lesbos. total perv. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, that one, from what I can remember of Vampiros Lesbos, it was, yeah, it was pervy and it was it was fun up to a point, but the main thing that was good was the soundtrack, whereas this is this was very mannered. But I, I quite like the fact that they managed to get the atmosphere for the most part on what looks to be like quite a low budget. And Christopher Lee gets to do a great big long speech from the, the novel, which apparently he always wanted to say, but with the, the Hammer Dracula, they were like, no, 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 you just stand there, you're menacing, say a couple of cool things and then kill someone. Whereas in this, he was like, no, I'm, I'm going to do the whole bit about defeating the Turks for no real reason. And I'm going to do it with a handlebar moustache. Yeah, he's... He, some great um facial hair going on some great stick on facial hair or just for men usage happening um but it's just like i just like the fact that christopher lee really wanted to do a thing and they let him do it and also this film does have the hilarious bit where in order to convey how spooky and creepy the abbey is they just waggle a lot of taxidermy at the yeah. camera for ages <laughs> and it's so funny the way the taxidermy comes alive and then you get the proper franco zooming in camera go, and the screechy soundtrack yeah I, I i love that scene i was laughing so much just yeah. the, the whole kind of like they're all like oh my god and you have like a badly stuffed warthog with dust all over it and the camera zooms in and seems <laughs> like and the warthog's still frozen it's, it's just amazing that is a good bit it is a good bit did you notice when they're, they're pushing the great big stone off the edge of the castle, it actually lands bang on a horse's head and just bounces off it because it's clearly made of polystyrene. <laughs> and Klaus Kinski, uh, our first look of Klaus Kinski in a Dracula movie, playing Renfield, the madman. He does mad very well, does Kinski. So yeah, he's pretty solid. It's kind of a tame, family-friendly version of Dracula, but I think it's implied that he's um, doing a dirty protest in cell. And the walls are covered in his shit. Yeah, but it looks more like they've just they've just lobbed soup all over the walls. They were kind yeah. of like, oh, we, we want to imply that, but don't make it look obvious that that's what it is. So at this yeah. point, some runner scuttles off set with the Nutella and goes, okay, we're not going to need, not going to use this. Maybe that's where Francis Ford Coppola got the idea for his uh, Twix chocolate horror yes. movie. From. Yeah. <laughs> uh, important question though: Who's the best Dracula out of Bela Lugosi and Christopher Lee? Who's the best? Dracula. It's Christopher Lee. Yeah, Christopher Lee. I'm going to go Bella Lugosi. I'm going to say Christopher Lee because I liked him in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I'm going to do because I only watched like a very, very poor handful of these. So this is how I'm doing this. 
<laughs> All right, Christopher Lee wins. Christopher Lee is currently the best Dracula. To 1979 now, and John Badham's Dracula, starring Frank Langella in the title role. I watched this one. Um, I liked this one. I liked how Dracula wasn't... He just looked like a normal black... Well, I mean, did I like that? For, at one point, weird, his hair it? goes... Yeah, because it's just like... He He's turns just, up he just looks like, like... He looks like David Copperfield, the magician. Yeah, well, I've, I was going for more like a Eurovision entrant, like when the hair gets bigger, because like the more threatening he does, he's like a cat. His hair gets bigger. Did you notice that? <laughs> when it gets more scary. How did you describe him, Emily, earlier? He's he's the teacher all the mums fancy. Yeah. Yeah. Because he really is. He's yes. got that. He's got that vibe of um, the. Do you know, he looks a bit like my mate Muzz, who's the teacher all the mums fancy. Oh really? You tell him yeah. to wear a, tell him to wear a cape to school, a very and then maybe he'll get yeah, some. Yeah. He'll get some more mums following him around. I'm pretty sure that's an instant failure um, DVS test or whatever they call it these days. If, you, if you're a teacher, you're going <laughs> to school wearing a, wearing a cape. <laughs> wearing a cape and a high collar. Hello. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, if you're I, biting um, people as well. Yeah, but other than that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, did I enjoy this one? I don't know. It was fine. It was, I mean, I've, I personally, I find Dracula incredibly dull so i mm. was already going to struggle this month but as far as it went as a story it wasn't my favorite but it was passable i liked um john's mustache um i liked the uaruar pirate shippy men yeah i mean that ain't whitby is it no i didn't film it in whitby they filmed it in cornwall no. i think that bit and yeah, um yeah. they they obviously didn't <laughs> Realise that people in Cornwall speak very differently from people in Whitby. Yeah, isn't Renfield just like hello there? Oh, yeah, Renfield, are you? But I'm, he's a, he is very very good Renfield that guy, and I can't remember his name. Tony Haygarth. I don't recognise the name. He looks like someone that would have been in an eighties sitcom. But Donald Pleasance is Doctor Seward, and yeah. who's Van Helsing? Fucking okay, Lawrence, Lawrence Olivier. Olivier. Mm. And he's, he's so good in it. Yeah. Of course he is. He's Laurence Olivier. <laughs> it's pretty solid, this one. I mean, it's not, it doesn't do anything amazing, but I think it's it's got some heart to it. It, it looks nice. And yeah, I think um, Frank Langella does a does a good job as the um, sexy teacher cat man. Um, <laughs> it's really pacey. It starts off at a good point in the story, just yeah. as the ship lands. And mm. um, yeah, it just gets on with it. And, and, it, and it's really... A really nicely mounted production. For some reason, I had it in my head. I think probably because of the Frank Langella thing. I had it in my head it was supposed to be some really shitty TV movie. But it's not. It's, no, it's, it's the sexy version. Yeah, it's very Dracula. sumptuous. And um, though that there is the weird sex scene that looks like the James Bond opening credits with silhouettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was reminded of the Cat People remake from a few years later. Mm. And also in this one, Jonathan Harker actually has a little bit of spirit to him. He actually gets fucked off yeah, with Dracula. Yeah. So he's like, keep Ooh, away from her, you bastard, and all this kind of thing. Which is, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, Harker's got balls. Nice to see Janine Davitsky, who is in yes. the sitcoms, yeah. as, a, as, a, as, a, as a mental, which like, with a face like that, Perfect casting. <laughs> oh, she's so good. She's like the queen of character actresses. That was a great scene, though. That was awesome. Like, yeah. I was losing interest a little bit because of the story, but as like, soon as just like, da, 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 like, like this woman just running it and legging it and fucking it through a window. It was like that. Yeah. Was, that was pretty fun. That was mm. quite fun. Yeah, and it's like, good. I like that a lot. Of it was set on ships. I like ships. I like ships. Ships are good. But more importantly, who's the best Dracula. Who's the best Dracula? 
So is it uh, Christopher Lee or Frank Langella? Adam Sandler. <laughs> I don't even know what he played Dracula in. What are you talking about? Was it Hotel he Transylvania? Hotel Transylvania. Okay. Oh, there's method to your... To your I don't think we even need to ask, really. It, it's obviously Christopher Lee beats uh, <laughs> Frank Langella, yeah? But Frank yeah. Langella does does a, an interesting and different take on it. He does his best, doesn't he? But, yeah. I mean, Christopher Lee. Uh, moving on to the looser adaptations. Here's one with a very bad reputation. Dario Argento's Dracula 3D. Spoiler alert, I don't think Thomas Kretschmann's going to win his Who's the Best Dracula battle. Oh, my God, is all I can say. I mean, he's not the most charismatic. I don't even remember him. We watched Dracula 3D together and you don't remember Dracula being in it. I don't know. That's how bland. I remember writhing, heaving bosoms. Oh, there's a lot of lot of bosoms. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's got that in its favour. The back of the Blu-ray. One of the things it promises that this film promises are fleshy, writhing bosoms. Well, yeah, there's plenty of those. Is um Brock Gahara in this one, or am I getting yeah. a different? Yeah, 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 he's, yeah he's in this Gahara's one. Yeah, he's he's um Van Helsing. And uh, Asia Argento gets her tits out for her dad again. Oh, yeah. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. That's all. Well, I yeah, remember. so fleshy, writhing bosoms, but obviously Dario has to. Have some of them being his daughter Asia, which is mm, I know they're professional filmmakers and and that's fine and everything, but that is his daughter. It's a bit odd, isn't it? Dario, if you're listening, you know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Stop it, buddy! Dario. Stop it! Yeah. Stop it! <laughs> Cliff did start singing "Get Your Tits Out for Your Dad" when we were watching this. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I remember Dracula? Well, I'll tell you what, his, his big entrance is he walks through a door into a room that already has people in it. It's like, hello, oh, oh, he's you? the man, the fit man. Oh, yeah. No, I remember him now. Oh, he's you didn't fit. mention that when we were watching it, that you thought he was the fit no, man. No, I mean, I kept that to myself. He was he was an attractive <laughs> man. I mean, he was very forgettable, but at the time I was like, oh, he's, he's nice. Might be a vote. He might stand a chance of beating Christopher Lee. Who knows? I mean, probably not. But I mean, he was fine. But apparently, incredibly forgettable. That's my type. I really like Tanya in it. The new character that they've added, because all she's there to do is have fleshy, writhing bosoms, and and pout, um, and pout a lot. Yeah, very attractive. Yeah, well, she she has some she has some strops and um, one of those outfits where I'm kind of like, oh, that's sexy, and also I bet that's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and she's got the art school fringe as well, which I quite enjoyed. I like the film. I just think it's a shame about the CGI being so bad. But that... Oh my God, the fucking... Oh, when he turns into a wolf. Yeah, oh, that, mm. that I laughed out loud at that. Uh, just the sudden... <laughs> it's the fact that he goes... It's the sudden CGI wolf, but it's a very, very jerky motion. So, I mean, for all I know, I've never seen a man turn into a wolf. Sorry, guys, just putting that out there. You need to work on your technique, Emily. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> With the with the with the shit CGI and the three D and the dialogue, it did feel like I was in a very long cutscene for like a Dracula yeah. video game. Yeah. But I was like, I could be playing Castlevania and the dialogue's better. <laughs> the dialogue's fucking awful in Castlevania, but it was just very it just felt very three D flies were good though. Oh the three D flies were good, weren't Ooh, they? Yeah. They were in your good. face. It, this, this film starts quite well because it's it's kind of like nicely lit and everything at the start, and then it just gets bollocky. Bollocky is my technical um, chin stroky um, critic. The bit where he fucks everyone up in the tavern's good. That that's big massacre. Good. That's surprisingly like, whoa, okay, yeah. That's, where he um, throws the sword in your face. That actually made me blink in th- watching it in 3D. It was great. Well, <laughs> I was I was watching it in 2D, so maybe, yeah, I just, just think 3D Did you blink? Is- uh, I may have blinked at some several point, times. Sure. This film made me blink. <laughs> Just having a long blink. 
<laughs> 20 minutes. A long, slow blink. Yeah. The film was so dry, I blinked several times. Yeah. No, I like it. But uh, the question remains, who's the best Dracula out of Christopher Lee and Thomas Gretchman? Who's the best Dracula? Who's the best Dracula? <laughs> Well, do we even need to ask? No. It's Tom Scratchman, isn't it? It's Christopher Lee. Um, taking a different tack entirely, Paul Morris's Blood for Dracula, formerly known as Andy Warhol's Dracula, is next. Um, I, I love Blood for Dracula. It's so funny. It's mad. Um, it's absolutely mad. It's wrong in quite a lot of different ways, but yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. Another a low, a low reference, like at the start where Dracula and his secretary are concocting their plan to find a wergin. Wergin, yeah. It's like two hair flicks. It really is. Dracula, because it's, I think it's set in the 20s or maybe sort of 1915 or something. He's got, um, he's got a shiny coat and he's even dressed as hair flick. It's amazing. I've never heard anyone say anybody except a dog has got a shiny coat. <laughs> the, the coat he's wearing is shiny, not he personally has a... <laughs> A tiny coat. <laughs> He's got a wet nose as well, hasn't he? <laughs> Who's a Dracula that can't cope with blood that isn't from virgins then? Is it you? Is it? Yeah. Um, Udo Kier puts on, does quite a good performance as Dracula for all the ridiculous camp mentalness. Um, but this film is like silly accent central. It's, yeah. it's amazing for that reason. Some of the line readings, like you have the handyman guy who's shagging all the daughters in the noble family. Joe D'Alessandro, who is beautiful. And then he opens his mouth and it's just <laughs> the way he says the word whores. <laughs> he says quite a lot. It's not. It's a little bit problematic to put in because, like, he's basically the American hero guy, isn't he? The most problematic American hero guy ever because he rapes three sisters along the oh, way. Yeah, he really he does, and then he says they're whoers, which I can't. Yeah. I can't do a Brooklyn accent, so it sounded vaguely whatever the hell that was. And what, what's weird as well is he keeps going on about Marxism. Mm. just like oh come the revolution i'll be in charge around here and you're like what and then that gets even weirder when you find out that the guy that directed this paul morrissey was actually quite right wing oh was he yeah it was quite weird him being mates with andy warhol who i guess would have been apolitical or sort of slightly to the left in a kind of counterculture sort of way but it was like they they kind of kept him around going oh what do you what do you think about john f kennedy paul and he'd be like oh i hate him and it's just but to be working in that kind of well very kind of well yeah, I suppose he, he could have been actually right wing. I'm not sure. But to actually be in that kind of counterculture world making these these films, because Warhol, I think, produced them or executive produced them. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit odd, but it's even weirder still to make the guy who's sort of sort of saves the day, but is an absolute horrible asshole, a Marxist. Maybe they was trying to say, if you're a Marxist, you're also a rapist. I don't know. Yeah, oh, there's, that bit, there's that bit where he says, um, he's talking to the two older sisters about their younger sister, who's 14. He says, I'd, oh, I'd like to rape the hell out of her. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. It reminded me of, did you ever watch the 1970 ITV sitcom, The Lovers, with Paula Wilcox and Richard Beckinsale? No. I I don't know if I've talked about this before, but it's it was it was a funny sitcom. It was good. But the very first scene has got um, Paula Wilcox, Richard Beckinsale in a market somewhere in London. And they're basically kind of sort of flirting from afar. Like they keep giving each other the eye. Um, they're kind of following each other around. And then the first line of the fucking series is Richard Beckinsale in voiceover going, God, I'd really like to rape her. 
Whoa. And this I is wonder a... if... Well, this, this is another one of my The 70s Were Cursed collection. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if there's been like a sort of shift in language because I'm pretty sure there was a scene in, you know, Butterflies, the sort of Ooh. inoffensive sitcom about the... Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the, the frustrated housewife who wants a better life and a more kind of romantic life and a more fulfilling life. There's a scene where she's sort of monologuing to herself in the kitchen in the way that she quite often does. She's like, I don't want this. I want adventure. I want excitement. And then she actually says, I want, I want to, be, to raped. be raped. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, no what way. the fuck? But I, I think that maybe in that case, they meant more kind ravished. of ravished in a sort of a Mills ah. and Booney type way. I don't yeah. know. But but in, in um, Blood for Dracula, it's definitely not that. Because, no. Yeah. Because he does. Because he does, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's an odd film, and then it goes full Monty Python at the end. Though the way we've been talking about it, it doesn't actually sound as funny as it is, but it is funny. Oh god! Well, <laughs> half of the fun is from the accents. Mm. There's like Dracula's little helper, and the way that he can't say virgin, and he says he says the W instead of a V, yeah. oh, which is virgin. Yeah, virgin. It's like Carry On Dracula. It really is. The um, noble family are all meant to be Italian. They, and what, and the, the dad accents. looks like Colonel Sanders. And yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like the way he goes, Cinnabada the sailor. <laughs> Though the dad, interestingly enough, respected Italian actor who was in the movie The Bicycle Thieves. Mm. Whereas the other people, quite a lot of them, literally the only thing they've got on their IMDb page is this. And yeah, the British woman who plays the mum is really, really good. It's really surprising that she hasn't Yeah, I don't know what else. She must have been a theatre actor or something. Yeah, I imagine she probably was. But then you've got the, the daughters who've clearly been cast for sexy reasons and not for yeah. acting reasons. And one of them, after she's been shagging the um, Joe D'Alessandro, she says, um, oh, what she actually, what she says is something along the lines of, I bet you'd rather, you'd rather just be with a peasant woman that you can beat at the end of the day like a sack of beans, which I know is a horrible, horrible thing, but it's that kind of film. But the way that she says the phrase a sack of beans is fucking hilarious. The <laughs> <laughs> sack of beans. <laughs> You'll be done like a sack of beans. <laughs> That's literally, yeah. I'm so sold. It's... I'm sold. <laughs> I'll take the rape as long as there's beans. It's a yeah. great film. It's a great. It's really it, good. Yeah, it's it, it, it feels slightly grubby, but it, it is it's also a great film. And yeah. yeah. And Udo Kier, genuinely kind of like a good sort of sad Dracula. Oh, yeah. Um, who does yeah. some very, very impressive vomiting acting. Mm. You know, Team America, there's the bit where the, the joke is that they can't stop puking. If you can imagine that, only it's Dracula with his um, Nazi from Olo Olo hair and it's blood. <laughs> and it goes on for hours. It feels like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good. Yes. Um, which raises the question. Who's the best Dracula? So is it Christopher Lee or Udo Kier? Oh. I'm going Udo Kier. Oh, God, because you know, Christopher Lee is the definitive Dracula, but I do like Kier's portrayal and it is hilarious. I mean, oh, I'm fuck it. Yeah, let's go, let's go for Udo Kier. He does look like the singer from Barhouse. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry then. And now for something really odd from Al Adamson. We've got Dracula versus Frankenstein, <laughs> in which Dracula looks like the um, 1980s BBC TV presenter Fred Harris. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. This is a fucking mad film. Yeah, it's got a lot going on. It's very busy for 90 minutes, and that's to its credit. I enjoyed about the first half hour of it, but I think there's slightly it's slightly too busy. There's slightly too much going on. And I think the main reason I like the beginning of it is the opening credits are 
fucking cool. The music's oh, yeah. really, really good. Also, they promise so much. Like, there's so many actors whose names you recognise. Yeah. And then there's, like, all these special effects sequence credits that you're like, oh, mm. wow, we've got that to look forward to. I enjoyed it a lot. But but the worst thing about it is uh, Zandor Volkov, who plays Dracula, weirdly with an uh, electronic reverb on his voice throughout. For no reason. It just sounds like he's delivering all of his lines by shouting down a really, really long cardboard tube. From the toilet. <laughs> yeah, maybe the toilet as well. <laughs> yeah. So basically everything without Dracula in it is good in this film. I yeah, think. and then the end scenes are, I mean, I when I read the Wikipedia entry about this, I had a quick skim read without reading the plot. And they were like, one of the criticisms was that this film was too dark, as in you couldn't see what was going on. And I was mm. like, well, that's a weird thing. And then you, I watched it and I was like, yeah, they've got a point, actually. So, who's the best? Dracula. Out of Udo Kier and Zandor Vorkov, it is obviously Adam Sandler. Udo Kier. <laughs> okay, we've only got one more Dracula to judge, and he's played by Klaus Kinski in our second feature, which is Werner Herzog's 1979 film Nosferatu the Vampire. At midnight, all sorts of evil spirits are set loose. People disappear without a trace. Last night, after a tiresome journey, I finally reached my destination, the castle of Count Dracula. The ship seems burdened with a curse. One sailor and our cook have disappeared without a trace. Nosferatu, the vampire. Coming from 20th Century Fox. Nosferatu, the vampire. A film unlike any Dracula film ever made. Nosferatu, the vampire. <laughs> That's Nosferatu, the vampire. Unlike any film ever made. It's a remake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's quite similar to a lot of the other films we've seen, yes. Uh, estate agent Jonathan Harker travels to a remote castle where he meets the sinister Count Dracula, soon resulting in the transformation of Lucy, his wife, into a vampire. Uh, right, for a start, I want to talk about the opening credit sequence because you know that bit where, uh, completely irrelevant to anything, is scenes from a Mexican cave full of mummified human remains. Yeah, what right? was that about? It's Werner Herzog. It's spooky. He's, he's yeah. gonna he's gonna be like, I make documentaries, yeah. I'll try and make this look like a documentary at the same time. With his documentary maker's eye, he's gone, That thing is interesting, I'm gonna shoot it from a number of weird angles. Yeah. Um, I, li- I like the mummy who had quite pendulous breasts and was holding them up, which is very considerate of her <laughs> in death, I thought. Barbara Windsor, isn't it? Carrying on. <laughs> bandages have fallen off. She's all like um yeah, yeah. That 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 opening sequence is amazing, though, and that music is wonderful. Mm. It's just yeah, it's proper kind of weird atmosphere. It's very yeah, it's very dreamy in general. It's a very dreamy film. I really enjoyed mm. this. Mm. And and then like continue with the opening credits. Uh, there's a credit for English dialogues, which unnerved me because it's called dialogue for a start. <laughs> I always think I always think the bit where the director's name appears at the end of the credit should be over a really meaningful shot. Or, you know, a really classy shot. Something that you're like, yeah, director. Wow, this is this is his great shot. And the Werner Herzog credit in this is over a little cute tabby kitten playing on a bookshelf, which yeah. I thought was lovely. <laughs> I was a bit disappointed because all those mummified people in that cave, I was like, oh, this is up there with Sinister. This is going to be well creepy. 
And then Nosferatu was like a really camp chipmunk, wasn't it? Oh. His teeth were really oh, close together. His teeth were like my teeth. Like I've got a gap in my teeth. But he's got really close together little teeth, wasn't he? Whoa, 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 like that. <laughs> and um but he had an amazing clock. But what was going on with that little amazing kid? What, sorry? Clock. clock. <laughs> That's a totally different film. Cliff, we haven't watched yeah, we haven't watched the uh, the Nosferatu <laughs> porn yet. <laughs> I'm going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> not with these teeth, you're not. He does. He's had a total upgrade since the F.W. Murnau Nosferatu uh, that, on yeah. that clock. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's Sunday. amazing, that clock. Really, really cool. Emily, would you want both or just one of them? Um, oh, or both. good point. I probably would want both for different rooms. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Smaller one for the bedroom. Might look a bit weird next to your pine wardrobe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, isn't it? Well, yeah, but to be fair, you can't see it from here, but my bookcase does have a taxidermied mouse on it. There you go. Oh, no, I want to see it. I want to see it. A bit later, I will show you my taxidermied mouse. Um, is that a euphemism? Um, well, who knows? Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and what I didn't understand was why Jonathan escapes down a bedsheet when he's just been outside... Jonathan, you've just been out the door. No, I'm going to climb down this sheet. I'm going to make it harder. No, is that me? Am I being... <laughs> I don't particularly remember that bit. You don't remember that? <laughs> I'm a massive nerd. I make loads of notes about films. No one wants to go to the cinema with me because I'm very weird. And then there's um there's a weird apocalyptic street party afterwards where everyone sits around and there's loads of rats which is a bit like a street party when I was a kid where all the dads get pissed and have a big fight. Um, but that doesn't happen, unfortunately. I was once on jury service and the uh, trial was about a party where two dads had had a fight. <laughs> oh, my God. Was it my dad? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> did your dad just go from party to party? Starting yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> the kind of decadent that there's plague coming because the whole idea of like Dracula and, and the, well, Nosferatu and the plague that's the real sense of end of days and the sense of oh well we might as well have a lovely tea party and ignore the fact that all of our friends are dying and there's there's rats everywhere like a Covid party but with vampires yeah sort of yeah um, okay that's cool the rats in this film are quite nice they yeah. are nice I saw on Wikipedia that um, they had to shoot that scene um, in a different part of the Netherlands from where they shot the rest of it mm. because the local authorities refused to allow Herzog to release 11,000 rats in the streets. Oh, oh, oh fuck's sake. Yeah, can yeah. you imagine? Why, Very why, why would Bloody it be? Yeah. local council bureaucracy. I know. Yeah. These days you can't release 11,000 rats <laughs> in the street. <laughs> <laughs> can't even do it in your own street or get you thrown in jail. Um <laughs> I approve of the use of the fancy spooky grey rats and also there's there's a few scenes where they've just got teeny tiny little bats in the background. Yes. Yeah, all oh, the little pipistrelles on the window. window. Yeah. 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 Oh, they're so cute, yeah. Yeah, yeah, liking bats. And who's all the yellow lions at the side of the road? <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. Yellow lions. lions, look! You know, like parking lines. They were oh, right. on the side oh. of the road. Oh, I thought you said yeah. lions. Oh, <laughs> yeah, lions. so did I. Oh, I wish it was lions. <laughs> lions like, if I can miss that. Lions. I think if, if he'd wanted them, Herzog would have tried to get lions. He's that sort of filmmaker. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, Klaus Kinski. As I loved him. I loved it. It's like hanging out with all the goths from art school when you ask <laughs> them a question, they're like, eh. 
Um, um, I don't drink wine. Wine. I drink snake bites. <laughs> snake bite and black. Yeah. I loved him in this. He was just so camp. Yeah. yeah. He's very good as the sort of sad vampire, the alienated, shunned, oh, everything's too hard kind of thing. And when he tries to suck him off and he's like, oh, no, go on. <laughs> yeah, what, what does he mean when he says it's the oldest remedy? Oh, like, he's been around for a long time. He has, yeah. He's like, oh, the knife is dirty. The knife is old and it's dirty. Let me suck you off. <laughs> but it's so good it's so good where he's like he, he he won't do it and then he turns around and he just sort of whimpers he goes yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good yeah it's quite interesting because he had some of the other films they have that scene or variations on that scene because that's that's one of the key scenes in the book where yeah. you're kind of like, oh my god he's a vampire blah blah, mm. blah. um other Dracula's are kind of like, oh, bloody, eh? oh, that's sexy. Whereas with him, it's just like, oh, I can't help myself. Oh, pathetic and sad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just wanted to give him a cuddle. If he had little yeah. cats, if he had the kittens, maybe he'd have a lovely time. There are a lot of cute animals in this film. He could have just mm. moved them all in with him. The rats would have kept him with his, his aesthetic. So with the Pippa Strolls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I really like about this film is basically from a cinematic filmmaking point of view, which is that I like the way that Herzog like, is switching between making a kind of gothic drama, a gothic horror, a, a romance, a, you know. But then there's bits of, like, documentary, like we said. Mm. Um, like the bit, not just the opening credits, but the bit where um, Harker's mingling with the gypsy camp. Mm. And that that's, mm. like, that's documentary-like as well. And then there's bits where he just, like, stands back and just holds his camera there and watches Klaus Kinski do his thing, like some mad performance artist. It's really just, it's, it's, it's electrifying. I think. Even though it does go in all these different directions, it's all kind of seamless and it all has that kind mm. of lovely colour palette. It looks kind of painterly. It's um, yeah, it's an amazing looking film. And this is, of, of the ones that we've watched this month, this is the one that I think that I'd probably watch again the soonest, if that makes sense, just because yeah. it's great. But I feel like I, I need to watch it again, discover more things. I feel almost quite trance-like watching this, which mm. I, I really appreciated, especially at the end when they go arrest him and the guy goes, I haven't got any arms. And um, <laughs> yeah. I was I kind of had to double take. <laughs> he was like, oh, no, he yeah. means the other ones. Um, but you have because <laughs> I was like oh it's gone well off the, oh I love this but oh no he has got arms I was like, oh, it's gone really arty and weird oh it's gone all holy mountain no oh no, no he means guns no no the only thing um, that would have made it better would have been if it had gone holy mountain and Herzog had just appeared on camera and went it is over <laughs> and leave the cinema <laughs> think about how everything is pointless <laughs> and stroke a kitten if you like <laughs> One last thing to discuss, of course. Who's the best? Dracula. So, is it Udo Kier or Klaus Kinski? Klaus. Klaus. Mm. Mm. It is Klaus. It's a, it's a tough one. It's honestly a tough one. But I think we have decided that Klaus Kinski is the best. Dracula. Congratulations oh. to him. His prize is in the post. <laughs> well, that was a good game. Uh, now let's play another one. Okay, you know the way this works. Six pairs of uh, audio clips from horror films to uh, identify one half of each pair is from a Dracula film this month. 
Uh, Sally Ann, what is your buzzer type noise that you have brought it to is... me? It is. Oh, wow, it's a scream. Bryony and Sally Ann, it's you versus Emily and Luke. So, first pair of scary noises. You gonna have a crack at it, Norman? No. Ten months inside's enough for me. They got anything worth taking? No. Except, uh, these. Bloody. It was nothing. She got a dozen or more. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, Emily. Is the music uh, Frankenstein versus Dracula? Dracula versus Frankenstein, yep. And dialogue? Don't know. Oh, she's got a dozen of these. Uh, with... <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all. there's some Cockney geezers and some people who are a bit West Country, but some I don't know. Some Cockney geezers burgling in a house. But... <laughs> Is it Cockney geezers and, and their mate from the West Country burgling a house? Oh, <laughs> no Cockney geezers in that one. Um, Brian Ian, Sally Ann, did you get the dialogue? No. Oh, no. Uh, straw dogs. Oh. oh, okay. I was right about the West Country bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But not about the Cockney. Led you astray. Uh, number two. They must have come through a terrible storm. <laughs> What's that? Why? Come from that hatchway. <laughs> yeah, Emily. Uh, is the dialogue the Lugosi Dracula? It is. Music? I uh, don't know. I just got excited about getting one thing right. <laughs> uh, Luke, did you get the music? No, I recognise it, but I can't. Brian and Sally Ann, can you get the music? They must have come through a terrible storm. <laughs> What's that? Why? Come from that hatchway. <laughs> Why, he's mad. Look at his eyes. Why, the man's gone crazy. Is it like under the skin or something? No, it's the Babadook. Oh! Bloody, oh. I, I was almost right. It's one of them arty ones, isn't it? Uh, number three. Let the vile horse vomit. <laughs> You're going to help me, George. Take me away from here. George. Get out. Get out, you fucking whining turd. <laughs> <laughs> Anything? Oh, it's, um... The oh, whining turd. No, is it, um... No, it's the, the, nothing the, for anyone. The couple film. Nothing for the couple. It's a possession right. film, um, but I just cannot tell you. It which is one a possession film, but I don't think you're going for the right one. Um, the music was from the 1979 Dracula. Mm. The dialogue was from Beyond the Door. Oh, uh, oh okay. Possession film. I don't even remember that in that. How can you not remember that? You whining turd. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was a Cheryl Crow song. Every day, Every day is a whining is a turd. <laughs> <laughs> okay, at the halfway point, uh, Luke and Emily are on two, and Bryony and Sally Ann are on nine. Uh, here's number four. I don't attach importance to sunshine anymore, or to glittery fountains. Bryony. It's um, the dialogue from Nosferatu. The vampire, yeah. The vampire, yeah. Mm-hmm. Music? Don't know. Nah. Okay, nah. Emily and Luke, can you get the music? 
I don't attach importance to sunshine anymore or to glittering fountains, which youth is so fond of. I love the darkness and the shadows, where I can be alone with my thoughts. Nope. Uh, you could have guessed it, I reckon, from the style of music. It's Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS. Mm. My favourite. Yeah, love it. <laughs> I was going to say something German, but I didn't, so... It's really good. Um, number five. Oh, yeah. Feels dynamite. No, no. You're going the wrong way there, little lady. Oh, wait a second. What happened to the younger version of you? Okay, I'm sorry. Do you come with subtitles? Okay, you know what? Yes, Luke. Now the dialogue is Final Destination 5. It is. Well done. Music. I'm going to guess it's one of the Hammer ones. Um, Dracula has risen from the grave. Yeah, well done. So you get a bonus hey, point for getting both hey. of those. Um, so uh, you've won already, but here's the last one, number six. <laughs> one of my race crossed the Danube and destroyed the Turkish host. Though sometimes beaten Yes, back. Emily. Uh, that's Knights of Dracula or Count Dracula. It is, uh, yeah. With the dialogue. And, and the music. Don't know. No. Brian thinks she knows the music. Let's it's listen. The, hang on, hang on, Brian. Brian, before is it American Werewolf in London. It's not, but Brian, before you uh, shout out, before you, I know you can't contain yourself. But uh, let's listen to it all. Let's listen to it all. Okay. For the, for the listeners' entertainment. What then? One of my race crossed the Danube and destroyed the Turkish host. Though sometimes beaten back, he came again and again against the enemy. And at the end, he came alone from the bloody field, for he alone could triumph. This was a Dracula deed. Gone. It's a blob. Yeah, 958 The Blob. It's the best. It's my favourite song. Is it? (laughs) Well, not my favourite. It's just like, I watched this film... um, would you have it played at your funeral? I would, yeah, because I'm always on the blob and I probably would die for it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it slips and grips and grips inside. Uh, 6-2 to Luke and Emily. Well done. <laughs> Sally Ann, thanks for joining us. I see from your website uh, you have a bunch of gigs coming up. Any in particular you want to plug? Uh, yes, I'm doing one with Emily um, on the 1st of October in Redbridge Cinema. That is that right? It's at uh, Redbridge Central Library in Ilford. Glamour. I know, <laughs> yeah, it's all about the showbiz glamour. <laughs> I mean, the gig I did the other day, I had to get a bus past Pentonville Prison, living the showbiz life. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's a very nice room. Is it? Oh, yeah. Cool. Thank you. As long as librarians don't tell you to shush. <laughs> uh, there's no librarians in there at that time. You get the whole Thank run of God the library. For that. Yeah, <laughs> fucking librarians. Yeah. Um, oh, we've just isolated all our librarianesses. Also, Sally Ann, the feature film My Day, I've noticed, is out to rent in the UK on Sky Store and Prime Video. And The Guardian reviewed your part as a nasty bully who fakes a mum like warmth. Yes, they did, didn't they? That was just mean, wasn't it? Because I'm really well to do and prestigious normally. I'm not. 
Um, <laughs> is it quite a big role in that film? Is it worth checking um, out for you? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's the first feature film the director made, and it's um, mostly shot in black and white. It's like a gritty sort of drug dealing type story, and I'm, I play a, um, one of the main drug, well, the main drug dealer. In it, you look so. the type. Thanks. Yeah, I, I get really greasy hair. <laughs> no, I'll be watching that. It sounds sounds right up my street. Cool. Thank you. Um, next month on Devil Times Five, just the one Dracula film, but also a bunch of other stuff made by Hammer in the sixties and seventies. Emily has picked Quatermass and the Pit as one of our features. Um, also, Emily and Luke, you get to choose the other feature because you won scary noises. What are you going to go for? Is it going to be on the buses? <laughs> the Plague of the Zombies. All right, then. Quite a mass in the pit and Plague of the Zombies next month. And we'll be joined by internet comedy sensation and also real life comedy sensation, Suze Kempner, for a Halloween hammer horror extravaganza. Until then, good night, sleep tight, and don't let members of the Romanian aristocracy bite. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>